Welcome to everyone, and it's been quite some time since I've recorded a podcast episode, and I'm happy to take some time now in a period of time in my life where I'm a little more able to sort of relax and kick back and just let some thoughts play out and record it live. In the past, I've, I've tended to think that I should have my podcast in, in a somewhat polished form and kind of write it all out beforehand and, and, you know, avoid saying a lot of uhs and ums and, and have it nice and concise with references and everything. But it, it seems like it's preferable to just sort of speak and allow things to take their course in a recording um, and so that's what I'm doing now. And I, I, I did have a bit of an idea about what I was thinking about talking about, and it was along the lines of energetics and human energetic anatomy. And I also have been thinking in the last couple of days about some of the sacred books uh, in the world and belief systems that people have. Most upfront in my mind right now is the fires in Australia, the huge loss of animal life that has gone on there to the tune of something like half a billion animals. Uh, That's a thousand thousand times 500. It's a staggering number of living creatures that have lost their lives there. And so as I was sitting by the window watching birds outside and I keep a little small bird feeder filled for the birds and sometimes the squirrels come and steal bird seeds by reaching across from a nearby branch and gobbling down some of the seeds. So of late the bird feeder has decreased or been emptied out pretty quickly, usually within two or three days, whereas in the past... It would have taken uh, weeks for the birds to eat all of the bird seed in there. With the squirrels helping, I suppose that sort of speeds things along pretty well. And the sounds that the birds make are beautiful. Just just listening to the twittering of the birds outside the window. Uh, here it's mostly a variety of small finches. There's usually a few robins around. And of course I love the crows. That they, don't, they don't feed from the little bird feeder. Sometimes I'll throw food up on the roof for the crows, and they're smart enough that I can go out and call them, and they'll come and see what what I've got up there on the roof for them. And they'll show up in a group and kind of hang out in a tree and take turns coming over to the roof, usually somewhere between 8 and 12 crows. But even the sound of the crows is, 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 is a lovely sound for me. I love hearing the crows because I think of them as my friends, at least my acquaintances, and some that I like to help out with some leftovers, or a lot of times I'll make hot cereal in the morning with with a mixture of whole grains, and sometimes I cook a little extra so I can throw some up up, up onto the roof for the crows. But I was thinking about the value of animals in the world, and one of the ways that animals contribute to the environment is through sound. And just as a whale song or whale songs and communication of whales across huge distances in the oceans condition the water, 
The songs of the birds and even insects and other animals actually condition the atmosphere and the environment. So the sounds actually contribute to the overall health and resiliency of the environment. And as we're entering this, what I'm hearing is, uh, according to a, a calendar that many people are using today, is the year 2020. Um, and with all of the degradation of the natural environment being carried out, especially by those involved in the, in the climate science communities, uh, the geoengineering and weather modification programs that are being carried out uh, around the world, I, I think about the environment and I, when watching the, the small birds outside and appreciating their, their beauty, I was considering the way that the sounds of animals contribute to the quality of our atmosphere. Just as, you know, our physical bodies and um, anatomies are all to a large extent on levels that we don't perceive brought about through sound and light. So with that, I thought maybe it would be worthwhile to sort of talk about the two main topics I had in mind, which is one, energetic anatomies, and two, sacred books as rivers. The energetic uh, anatomy or the ener energy of the human, what some call the energosoma, or the energy body, is, is a very interesting subject. Because in terms of scientific understandings, the ins and outs or the, uh, the delicacies or the articulations of various states of energetic experience or awareness or events are largely unaccounted for or un unexplored except by those involved in the, the more subjective metaphysical aspects of experience that some of us are involved with. So in an energetic sense, we have sound and light. And in a sort of a modeling sense, we have uh, different ways that energetic systems of a human are articulated or described or modeled. For instance, uh, the chakra system as a way of stepping down or stepping up energy. Uh, chakras are sort of like energetic differentials which pull in energy from other dimensions and step it down or step it up, uh, i.e. raise or lower the frequency for use by our, uh, our light energy system of, our, of the projection, which is our physical body. And in terms of the, the physical body in relation to the energy body, in, in most cases in the modern times, our energy body is more or less situated or infused within our physical, what, what we perceive as our, our physical body. So at times the energetic 
the energy the energy body can seem to separate from the physical body or can have an enhanced awareness even while infused in the physical sort of like a jello mold uh, the way it's situated and fits in our physical body <clears throat> perceptions can still at times be seen from the energy body while in the physical state and uh, at times while in the waking state, such as through um, remote viewing or astral viewing or etheric traveling. But there are also times where the energetic body can separate from the physical body and still retain a level of consciousness. And these are some of the questions which are of interest to me as one who has experienced various energetic states, uh, vibratory states, and out-of-body experiences. There are huge areas of untapped experience which can be systematically sort of understood and codified, and this is something that uh, I, myself, and a number of other people in the world today are interested in doing. So it's something that I kind of like to talk about or think about <clears throat> so that, for instance, uh, with the chakra system, uh, how does that relate to the idea of the energy body separating from the physical body? Uh, and is this separation... Um, we talk about it in terms of a space-time sort of continuum where it seems like there are maybe our astral body is separating from our physical body. In fact, it may be more of a connection with the non-local nature of consciousness where we perceive it in that way and our perceptions are structured in that way by means of our own preconceived notions or experiences from the past. But in any case, there is an exchange of energy that goes on with the chakra system across dimensions. And this is reflected in the way that energy is, is transduced or differentiated in the actual physical universe in terms of, for instance, a star such as our sun is, uh, has been thought of and still largely in the science community is thought of as a, a, nuclear, a nuclear process, something akin to an ongoing nuclear explosion. Uh, so what in fact I think that is happening with the sun is that, uh, and this isn't, this isn't my own idea, this is, this is the idea that I've, I've gathered from research of others. Um, a good example is Thornhill and Talbot's The Electric Universe, which talks about uh, the, the ways that um, the universe operates in a energetically uh, by means of plasma, where plasma is... Uh, where a high, a high energetic state, it's, it's another state of matter. You know, we tend to think of matter in terms of solid, physical, gas. 
But there's another state which is called the plasma state, and this is where energetically most of the uh, heavier elements of the matter have been stripped away. So we have uh, more of a higher aspect energetic uh, presence of the matter in terms of uh, a density of electrons versus uh, some of the more other notions of particalities like neutrons or protons. And in terms of energetic exchange in the universe uh, as a direct sort of correlation to our physical and energetic processes, a star will pull energy from higher dimensions and then release it as radiant energy which gives us the light which nourishes life uh, on the planet. So the sun is in effect not a nuclear furnace, not an ongoing nuclear bomb that's uh, somehow never running out of material to continue the process, but rather it's a, in a sense, it's like a giant chakra in its own right, uh, a star pulling in energy from higher dimensions and, and stepping it down so that we can use it here in our physicality on Earth. And so in a sense, some of our, our main chakras of our physical body do the same thing. Uh, as I've talked about before in other podcasts, when we sleep at night, our energy body separates from our physical body and draws energy from higher dimensions, which then we step down to utilize as energy in our ongoing life so that we're not in actuality deriving all of our energy from food and air and water, uh, but most of it comes from uh, higher dimensions that are differentiated or differentialized and transmuted through our chakra system. And we have several main, quote-unquote, main chakras. And uh, overall, I've the research I've done seems to point to a number somewhere around 80,000 chakras in the human energy system. So that's, it may be that that could be thought of as a modeling of the human energetic system or within a larger overall modeling, maybe the chakra system could be considered part of an anatomy. And I've often wondered in terms of the energetic body separating from the physical body, which I've experienced during vibrational states, how much of that energetic anatomy is actually shifting in frequency or shifting in vibrational rate? Is the chakra system part of the astral body? (laughs) But that type of question... um, along with numerous other kinds of questions, arise when one is dealing with um, the human subtle energy system and dealing with other layers of reality. But in terms of modeling energy, uh, it would seem that as perceivers who are taught to perceive certain things, we do perceive our physical body in a certain way It's in an alignment, maybe I could say, with how we are taught to perceive ourselves. In fact, if we could perceive ourselves in a a way a seer sees, a seer or even a sorcerer such as those in the Carlos Castaneda material, um, a Don Juan or a Don 
Gennaro or one of the uh, people in those books um, is able to see uh, reality as an energetic system by, in a sense, activating their energetic system on a more... Um, a more complete level so that uh, they're actually perceiving and when that when that is done the human energy or the human being is seen as a spherical shape or an oblate uh, uh, vertically oriented sort of spheroid of energy and in relation to dreaming the energy system is extremely uh, important and valuable as a, a subject of Inquiry. Other aspects of human uh, energetic anatomy might include um, the Taoist view, uh, the view of those who practice things such as Qigong or Tai Chi or, or, or acupuncture, uh, we have all of this, uh, the meridian system, which is a very useful model for acupuncture and treating illnesses and, and unbalances and disorders by releasing or alternately blocking various pathways of energy around the human body. This is connected with with the Taoist system and and the practices of things such as qigong where there are not only meridians all over the body but there are a larger larger uh, pathways or maybe highways of energy on the body uh that are mapped out and can be by those who have reached an advanced level of working with their energy, uh, they are able to actually feel and consciously direct movements of energy around their bodies uh, or into their hands, uh, which is useful for healing and, and things of that sort. The, the, the Taoists have a modeling of the energy system reaching back thousands of years, which uh, describes a kind of a landscape within the human body, which consists of orbits of energy which move in in sort of smaller and larger circles in the in the torso and the mid torso and up up to the head and it's 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 a practice in qigong to move those energies and begin to circulate those energies so that you generate a certain kind of uh, elixir of life which is <clears throat> stored in the uh, lower in the lower abdominal area, which would be sort of uh, probably parallel the uh, the root chakra and the uh, the second chakra. Um, what 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 normally people might consider uh, the the red colored chakra and the orange colored chakra these uh, roots of sort of energy storage akin to uh, what in yogic uh, modeling systems of energy would be the kundalini uh, as a coiled serpent which um, is ultimately in the in the 
path toward uh, an awakening. The energetic serpent is uncoiled and rises up through the central energy channel to the top of the head, to the top of that thousand-pelleted lotus blossom chakra, which is thought of as, as a white color at the top of the head. And of course, the, uh, within the chakra modeling system, there are those which are above the head and below the feet. So we, these, uh, these other chakras are outside what we might normally think of or perceive of uh, within the, uh, the visible spectrum or within the, the small spectrum of reality or, or what we call reality which is based on an extremely small sliver of the overall uh, spectrum of frequency, color, sound, energy, magnetism, emotion, and all sorts of other um, aspects of a fabric of reality of which we in physicality are filtered through. Uh, so in a sense, our five senses are filtering agents which uh, delimit the amount of information that we're able to work with in our waking life so that we are able to have a an experience here in physicality or a learning experience. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to compare these various uh, modeling systems of energy and, of course, they can each be utilized uh, for various situations or under certain circumstances. Um, and visualization tools uh, using the imagination, of course, in conjunction with emotions and uh, various other disciplines which allow our energy to become more refined and to be redeployed in ways that we can then take advantage of to, uh, to perceive and apprehend larger levels of reality. Uh, it's, it's nice to have some understanding of the way that these various systems of modeling energy can correlate and can be used. So in terms of dreaming and lucid dreaming and out-of-body experiences and in terms of the idea of etheric travel, which uh, I was reading a book by Jim Willis, author Jim Willis, who's um, a practitioner of uh, some of the some of the uh, activities <laughs> that might be called astral travel, um, talks about etheric travel, which I thought was a good term for uh, the kind of projection where you are close to uh, the, the quote-unquote real world or, the, or what we perceive of as the waking world uh, as, a, as etheric travel versus astral travel where you're then moving in through other dimensions of uh, other layers of um, dimensional realities or systems. In the Kelantic science community there have been various modelings of energy and ways that energy is deployed using energetic forms or codified systems where visual aspects of, of energetic deployments are seen as uh, sort of energized or in a, in a way living images. And, and these are used as ways to 
modify or ways to uh, articulate energy in the energy system. And, and some, of the, um, some of the energetic modeling that's done in chelonic science and, and other practices involves um, energetic anatomies which might resemble something like, uh, well, like for instance, there's the lotus blossom on the top of the head, but there's also the idea that um, within various energetic areas of the body where chakras might be located, these energetic um, forms open and close in a sense almost like, uh, like flowers, something similar to lotus blossoms, like where the eyes are, where the heart is, on, 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 in more of a 3D sense on either side of the body. Uh, these things open and expand out and can contract and expand, and, and these can be understood as systems that we can learn to control to increase our ability to uh, step up and step down energies and move to other other locations or uh, levels of well or other probably best I should just leave it at dimensions other places so I I just um, picked up a book that's dealing with uh, learning to tune our energetic system. And I'll be talking about uh, working with our own energetic system and probably incorporating some of these different models in future podcasts as the way that they can be um, employed, the way that can be appropriated for the use of um, expanding our levels of awareness. And I was thinking recently about holy books and I wanted to talk about that a little bit too in terms of the way uh, holy books are like rivers like if you take for instance the Bible or the Quran or the um, the Torah some of the some of those books that are connected with certain religions um, what you might call the book religions the books are can be thought of as a river. And when you think of a river, you think of a, most people think of the water or the banks of the river. Uh, but you can also, when you think of a river, when you consider the, what a river is, consider the bed of the river and the way that over time, various things are layered and deposited on the river bed, the river bottom, so that in, in one's, in the time where we happen to be right now, for instance, we might see certain things on the river bottom. When we go into the water, we see certain things on the river bottom which obscure the things on the river bottom that may have been left there a uh, hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. So the old saying that you never step into the same river holds true not only in terms of the water, because the water is always moving, but in terms of what's on the riverbed. And so in, in thinking about some of these holy books, uh, you know, having done research on the uh, ancient Sumerian and, and Zechariah Sitchin's work with the, with the Anunnaki, and of course uh, some of that involves his own interpretations, but yet at the same time 
It's been shown that some of these ancient writings are precursors to some of the books in, in the Bible, such as the Genesis account, and uh, so that we see that um, we can look at the at the at a at a sacred well, quote unquote sacred book the way it is in its current form the way it's been codified in its uh, at present and realize that a lot of the ideas that contributed to the codification of a certain sacred book in a present time uh, may not be there presently, but we can learn to understand how earlier ideas contributed to the way it appears presently. So this is kind of like a metaphor. Uh, the riverbed is kind of like a metaphor for this idea. And so it's... Um, there's, all, there's a layering that, that goes on over what we perceive of as time here in the time-based reality, uh, which are very, very interesting, not only to consider in, in the Akashic sense, uh, where the Akashic record or the, the Akashic can be thought of as um, an aspect of an, an energetic anatomy uh, in a more cosmological sense. The way a star can operate as a chakra, the akasha can operate as a sort of uh, layered memory of history that we sort of look through and refract through in understanding some of the sacred books and, and in, in some of the, the, the various traditions uh, religious traditions and things, so that uh, you know energetically there's a layering that goes on with those things as well, and I think um, there are those who sort of view things in a fundamentalist sense where stepping into the river of a sacred book and seeing what's on the riverbed currently and then defining that, uh, stating that, that that is represents a reality, uh, is a framework of thinking which is not as open-ended or inclusive as the actual universe or the cosmos really is. Well, I'm coming up on about 30, over 30 minutes here, so I think it's probably time to stop. And I will get this posted, and I hope everyone has a wonderful day, and I hope you enjoy listening to this. Thank you. <laughs>